known parable, well known, but it's certainly known. <clears throat> it's only recorded in the book of Luke. Matthew, Mark, John do not record it. Does that mean that it's not true or valid? No, of course it is. That's right. The four voices that record <clears throat> the history, the ministry of Jesus Christ, um, and the, the voices of testimony of his death, burial, and resurrection, <clears throat> these um, tell the same story, but from different perspectives and different events that they recorded. So just because Luke talks about it and the others don't does not mean that it's not valid. To the contrary, it's very, very valid. That working? Still working? Can't get it in. Go ahead and fix it. Logistical difficulties. Can you hear me? Yes? No? Maybe? Okay. All right. Luke 17, <clears throat> verse 7. Three verses we'll read, then you can be seated. When a servant comes in from plowing or taking care of sheep, does his master say, come in and eat with me? No. He says, prepare my meal, put on your apron, serve me while I eat. Then you can eat later. And does the master thank the servant for doing what he was told to do? Of course not. In the same way, there we go, now there's life. In the same way, when you obey me, you should say, we are unworthy servants who have simply done our duty. Can you say amen? You can be seated. God bless you. Amen. This is an interesting passage of scripture. Yeah, now we got it loud. Amen. Interesting because if you just read it at first blush, it's almost like the Lord is saying, yeah, whatever. I'm glad you're serving me, but I'm glad you're serving me, but um, just go serve me some more. What's, yeah, I know. <clears throat> um, it almost seems like God is ungrateful to us for what we do for him. And I know that life wears on us. This economy wears on us. Strange things happen in business that wear on us. We're having an all-hands meeting at my work tomorrow. And it's, I was telling Tyler, it's not going to be a fun meeting because the CEO and my boss, the COO, are going to talk to people about squeezing more productivity out of people. Not an uncommon message in today's day and age. If you look at Tesla, what did Mr. Musk say? If you're not willing to come back to the office, stay home. Not going to get paid, but <laughs> he said you can work from home. All you want to, as long as you put at least 40 hours into the office, then work as many more hours as you want to from home. Um, he, his point was that he feels, his leadership team feels that people are not being as productive outside of the office as they were pre-pandemic levels. Uh, Google or Alphabet, whatever they're called now, 
um, Amazon, others are making very clear and bold statements to their employees. Again, things that people don't want to hear. They're saying if you don't produce more with this economic downturn, the recession that doesn't exist, yes, it does. Amen. <clears throat> the inflation that's through the roof, but even Walmart is losing money. That's not a good sign for the economy. So they're saying, pump out more productivity, do more, or we may have to lay you off. That's not an easy message to hear. Um, we like to hear the, the attaboys. We like to hear, good job. We like to get a good review. We love getting a raise. Amen. Uh, it's all that's good stuff. But when it comes down to it, we do have to be reminded occasionally that um, as, as much as our companies hopefully value us as employees, uh, and we're fond of telling folks employees are our number one asset, and hopefully they are, at the same time, uh, do employees, do we as employees, are we entitled to a job anywhere? Fortunately not. Now, human beings need to work. We need to feel engaged. We need to feel needed. Doing something doesn't have to be a job per se, uh, but we need to feel that we're doing something that matters. And uh, that's, that's a, just an a integral part of human nature. But my job does not owe me my job. And thankfully, twice a month, I get this magical thing. A couple of months ago, I told my wife, said, wow, something weird happened. I got something called a paycheck after four months. Wow. Nice to see a paycheck again. <laughs> Paychecks are great when they come in. Do companies just send you a paycheck for doing nothing? You work earn pay. It's a transaction. I work, you pay me. You're not going to pay me, I'm not going to work. And the company says, you're right. And if you don't work, I'm not going to pay. It's a two-way street, a transaction, uh, an agreement, a contract that we have with our employer saying, I work for you, you pay me. Hopefully we both benefit because if we don't both benefit, either I'm going to be looking for another job or the company is going to be out of business. So um, I have one employee that is, he's very, very smart. He's been with the company 13 or more years. Um, he feels entitled. And as I've been talking to my team about productivity, um, he pulled me aside and he counseled me his viewpoints. <clears throat> And then my boss took him to lunch a couple of weeks ago, and he told him the same thing. He told my boss the same thing. Uh, he said that if you work people too much, they get burnt out. So I think we can all agree on that. But he said it's like a, a computer and the CPU. If you run that computer too much, if you get it above 75%, then you start overheating the, the computer, and things are just not going to work. So you're going to burn people out if you work them more than 75% utilization. 
Start counting up the hours out of a 40-hour week. How much is 25%? About 10 hours. 25% would be 10 hours. This gentleman tells me to my face, and my boss, who's the COO of the company, he doesn't want to work more than 30 hours a week. But you know what? He wants to be paid for 40. Um, how does that work? <laughs> My boss and I were laughing after that. It's like, I'm more than happy to let you work four days a week. I'm only going to pay you four days a week. <laughs> hey, let, let, let's be real, realistic here. Um, we've got to, if we want to be paid, we... Wait a minute. What does the scripture say? He that doesn't work doesn't. We need to invest if we want to get something back. So with that said, um, I don't always like to get out of bed and go to work. I mean, I my commute is at least 15 seconds. Got a lot of traffic to deal with if Ollie's in the way. Otherwise, it's a pretty easy walk from my Bedroom to my office. Um, but I still don't like to get out of bed and go to work sometimes. But I do it because I need to get paid. So Jesus gives this little blurb, fascinating little blurb. None of the others record it. And I don't find any other passage that's even similar to this. It's just, wow, where did that come from? In fact, he's... Uh, he starts out in chapter 17 talking about temptations to sin, but what sorrow awaits the person who does the tempting? Who do you think he was talking about there? Judas Iscariot. Um, he, he talks about the, the penalties for trying to cause a stumbling in the kingdom of God. Um, and then verse 5, well, verse 4, if that person wrongs you seven times a day and each time turns and asks forgiveness, you must forgive. Luke only counts seven times. Others record 70 times seven in one day. Um, and then verse 5, seemingly out of the clear blue sky, the apostle said to the Lord, show us how to increase our faith. Now, I think it's clear that this was not one contiguous conversation. If you try to read it as one contiguous conversation, it's like, huh? Where'd that come from? It's like listening to my wife and her mom and my daughter talking Ruckert. That's the language that they know. <laughs> they just shake their head at us. Because they're talking about one thing, they'll switch years, and they'll start talking about something totally different. And they understand each other. It's like, yeah, got it. And they just never miss a beat. And we're like, wait, whoa, 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 whoa. Whoa, what was that about? You're looking at me. You know it's true. Amen. <laughs> They were talking about something earlier in the day, and they just context switched right to it, and they have the amazing ability to pick up on it and keep going. Or we're sitting here like, whoa, whoa, stop. We're confused. If you read this as one contiguous conversation, you're going to be confused because he just looks like the Lord's just jumping all around here. No. Understand that Luke is recording conversations that happened in the morning or in the afternoon or maybe two days later, or they didn't write down everything. In fact, if 
The writer said that if they tried to record all of the miracles that Jesus worked, what was the statement? There wouldn't be enough books in the world to contain it. Clearly, that was before they had printing presses like we have. But the concept is true. Not everything got written down. There was a lot that happened that didn't get written down. So these conversations are not logically sequential, or a timeline is not one minute to the next. Key topics that jump out. So verse 5, key topics, show us how to increase our faith. And the Lord responds, if you had faith even as small as a mustard seed, you could say to this mulberry tree, may you be uprooted and be planted in the sea, and it would obey you. Now, not to belabor this sidebar here, but I've had people afflicted in their spirit because they didn't have enough faith to tell a mountain to be uprooted and cast in the sea. Have you ever tried that? How many of us think that we would have enough faith to actually go to Mount McKinley, Mount Rushmore, Mount Shasta, Mount whatever, and say, come on, see? Jesus said he used that example, right? One records it as saying, faith the size of a mustard seed, you say this mountain, be uprooted, cast into the sea, and it would happen. Luke records it as saying, uh, to this tree, mulberry tree. Maybe the Lord said this twice. Maybe one time he said mountain, maybe one time he said mulberry tree. Uh, And I'm not going through this to make you doubt the word of the Lord. There are some things that really don't matter. Because the Lord wasn't being literal when he meant a mountain or a tree. What he's teaching us is the concept and the principle of faith. When you have something that needs to move, if it's, where are we? Oh, there's a mountain. Or, uh, oh, the tree. I could say this piano. It doesn't matter what the object is that he was referencing. It wasn't about the object he was referencing. It's about the power of faith to move our obstacles. So again, don't get all tripped up and say, well, Luke says mulberry tree. Someone else is mountain. It's okay. He's teaching us the principle of the power of faith. And truly, if you have faith the size of a grain of mustard seed, and yes, if you buy a bottle of mustard seed, you're going to find they're close in size, but they're not all the same size. Don't get so literal that you're going to go measure a mustard seed because mustard seeds vary in size. He's not talking about a mustard seed. He's talking about it doesn't have to be much. It's just a figure of speech. You don't have to have much faith to move a big problem. Amen. Then in verse 7, he switches to this topic. When a servant comes in from plowing or taking care of sheep, comma. Anyone here raise sheep for a living? Anyone have a field that you're plowing, farming? No. So again, fill in the blank. When you come in from a long day sitting at your desk doing IT stuff, that's me. Amen. 
when you come in from a long day sitting at your desk doing medical care coordination. It could be working at a bank. It could be working at a hospital. It could be working at a restaurant. It could be working at a, a seamstress or a tailor shop. It could be wherever you work. Fill in the blank. The parable is not about sheep. It's not about plowing. It's about the principle of serving God. So when you come in from your work, does his master say, come in and eat with me? Now, understand that this was not a time where there were a lot of employees, perhaps, but there were a lot of masters and slaves. History doesn't like to talk much about that. But, friends, slavery has been prevalent in this world since day one. It's not a good thing, not something to be proud of, but it's a fact of life. And in the time of Jesus and even way back in the Old Testament, there were laws about if you sold yourself into slavery to pay off your debts, Hope you sold yourself to an Israelite because after a certain number of years, they had to let you free. If you sold yourself to somebody else, you're going to be a slave for life. So slavery was an accepted form of lifestyle, if you will, how people made a living many times. Not a good thing. But the fact is that when you, if you were a servant slash slave, if you were owned by your master, you had no rights to tell your master, I'd like to take tomorrow off, please. It's protected PTO. No. No, I'm the master. You're the slave. You're going to work. Have a nice day. I woke up with a headache. I'm not going to. No. You're going to go work. Life was about work, primarily. Still is, is it not? So much that we do revolves around work, 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 work. Uh, they had the obligation to work. Come rain, come shine, feel good, don't feel good. They had to work. Uh, they had to work from early morning till late at night. <clears throat> Jesus and other parables references the man who went out to hire uh, people from the marketplace to work in his field, right? Early morning, midday, afternoon, evening. They worked crazy long hours when the times demanded it. So uh, the obligation was that they were going to work until the master didn't need them to work anymore in the fields, and then they got to come into the house. And here's where it gets interesting. Jesus says, when the servant comes in from plowing or taking care of the sheep, working all day long, walks in the house, does the master say, Sister Anna, good to see you. Come sit down and eat with me. Sister Victoria. Great job out there. Come sit down and eat with me. No. The master doesn't even say thank you. I like working for bosses that say thank you. Do you know what? I actually had an employee. I thanked him for working a weekend on-call shift. And he looked at me and said, why did you thank me? It's like, uh. So I appreciate what you're doing. He said, sir, it's just my job. I'm expected to do this, and I'm happy to do it. Kind of took the wind out of my sails. I thought I was doing something nice, telling him thank you. He's like, no, this is what I'm expected to do. Thank me for something extraordinary, but not for what I do 
as part of my job. Gave a little different perspective there. When you come in the house, Jesus said the master has no obligation to even thank you for your work in the field, much less say, sit down, let's have some dinner together. What does he say? Prepare my meal, put on your apron, and serve me while I eat. Then you can eat later. Moms know this better than anybody. After a long day, either at work or taking care of the kids, evening time comes and you get to sit back and kick up your feet and husband comes home and cooks the dinner, right? <laughs> that was unanimous. You all laughed at me like, no. Hopefully we do sometimes, but <clears throat> not always. And it's easy to feel taken for granted. This parable is not about being taken for granted by God. This parable is teaching us a valuable lesson in how we interact with God. And instead of getting our feelings hurt with God, accept the fact that some things are just what we need to do for God. And it doesn't say that he won't let you eat. You do get to eat. It's just after his needs are met. And it puts a little different perspective. When I say this, I don't want to. It is almost counterproductive to preach a lesson like this. Because I love the fact that you're in church tonight. This is awesome. Wednesday night, long week already. And yet you're in church. Thank God. That's a good thing. But you know what? Neither you nor I deserve God saying thank you for being in church on a Wednesday night. I say it because I appreciate you being here. But God doesn't have to say it. I think he does say it. But he doesn't have to. Because after all, so we served him all day. So we prayed a prayer, sang a song, read some scripture. Maybe witness to somebody. Awesome. Now we come to church and we're going to sit down and just be blessed. Trust me, I get it. I'm right there with you. Sometimes I walk in church it's like, I just want to be blessed. Someone else, take over. Someone else, do something. I just want to be blessed. Sometimes we need to just, we, we need that recharge. We need to be filled and fed and it, it just feels good to be in the presence of the Lord and it's easy to just say don't bother me leave me alone I just want to be blessed we're all human what the Lord I think is trying to tell us is to go the second mile and when we come into the house of the Lord not feel like it's an obligation because again we're not his slaves we are his children thank God so when he asks us to come into this house, while he's going to bless us, and sometimes we get that blessing for the moment we walk in, that's an awesome time. Sometimes it's like, oh, okay, I'm here. Now what do, oh, we have to sing. Okay. Oh, we have to lift our hands. We have to pray too. And then we have to sit and listen to the preacher preach like, oh, Lord, just bless me now, please. <laughs> bless me now indeed, oh, Lord. 
the blessing will come. I think that's the key that the Lord is teaching us. You're going to eat. You're going to be blessed. It just doesn't happen always at the moment we expect it or would like it to happen. So the next time, short or lesson tonight, and a very simple thought. The next time we walk into the house of God, I'm not going to say you because it's we. The next time we walk into the house of God, and we feel weary, and we feel drained, and we feel like, oh, just bless me, Lord, and let me go home and get to bed. Take it just a few steps further. Hang in there for just a few moments longer. And pour out your heart to God as you worship him. Because you're still serving him. That's part of our service to him. Not just out in the field all day. But when we come in, it's a different kind of service that we give the Lord. It's a different kind of effort that we put out. Instead of representing him to the world all day long, now we're, we're his children. And we're here to worship him. And we're here to give him glory and praise. Amen. And I know we don't feel like it. But think, he says, he doesn't say you're going to go to bed hungry. You just got to cook dinner, put on your apron, and serve me. And then you're going to sit down and eat. And it's going to taste all that much. But I promise you, you know how it is when you're really, really hungry. And you got to wait a little longer. It just it tastes better, smells better. Oh, come on, come on, can't wait. That's how you should be in the presence of the Lord. I encourage you to hang on there and wait for that blessing from the Lord. Keep on working through the challenge of, I'm tired, I'm weary. I just want to be blessed. Give it, give it a few more minutes. Go ahead and serve him a little bit more. Change your pace, of course. Prepare some food for him, if you will. Serve him in his presence. And stand there as he enjoys what you've prepared for him. It's not just work at that point, friends. It's not just work. But it's, you know how it feels. I really am dumb, but think about this one more thing. You know how good it feels when you cook something and somebody enjoys eating. Am I right? I don't do a lot of cooking or baking, but the few times that I do, if it come, turns out well and people enjoy it, it just makes you feel good inside. Somebody else is enjoying what I did. And friend, it feels good inside when we know that God is enjoying what we have served him. He's enjoying our praise. He's enjoying our song. He's enjoying our prayers it should make you feel so good inside. Oh, God, what a privilege that I can yes. be here serving you in your presence. Amen. And when you get to that point, all of a sudden it shifts gears. And now you're not serving him. Now he's feeding you with his presence. Hallelujah. And that's when the glory begins to move. That's when the power of God begins to move. Don't leave hungry. You need to eat but just wait in his presence until the moment where he says, this is awesome. Now, let me bless you in Jesus' name. Praise God.